Blog Talk Radio. Hello, it is Arthos tonight. I'm Ishik, joined always by Murat. I am here as well. All right. We're both connected, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Nice. All right, so today's episode is going to be about morality. Pretty much everything morality. We did an episode like this a little while ago, but it wasn't the greatest in our opinion. Pretty impromptu episode, but this one's much more prepared. And uh, before we get into that... It's going to be better, right? I do hope so. I do hope so. Hopefully, We, have, we also have Sean Lyons here. He's going to read some poetry. And Zach is with us as always. He'll probably chime in as well. Hopefully he does. <laughs> okay, so I think before we get into anything, uh, let's open up Cruchem Sanctum as always. Cruchem Sanctum. Yeah. 
are back our thoughts tonight um so as we mentioned earlier it is going to be all about morality um last time again it was like you mentioned utilitarianism we mentioned some western thought but for the most part it was just like a casual episode which is all good but so before we so before we get into the actual discussion of various moral topics we're going to go straight into a game or i suppose an exercise right so right now we have four people with us, probably the most crowded, or I think the most crowded, right? Have we ever had four people on a on an episode? I don't before? think so. Not uh, unless they called in, maybe. Yeah. Usually been three. Yeah, yeah. All right, so we have a pretty crowded uh, room right now. So what we're gonna do, right? We have four people. Yeah, yeah. So four people. <laughs> all right, we have okay. <laughs> so all right, all right. 
Hey, you know, you know how it is at our thoughts tonight. Um, each one's going to take a certain moral stance, right? I'm going to read some dilemmas and each person's going to explain their solution or their feeling about the dilemma, right? And so I suppose, suppose there's no point in giving, there's no, there's no point in giving score, but maybe we can make something along the way. Um, Murat, what is your moral thing? Is you, again, we don't have to actually believe in the theory. We just, we're just picking this one. But what's yours, Murat? Moral skepticism uh, in the sense of there are no moral facts. So you are going for subjectivism then? I don't sense. know if that's necessarily... It's not like... Ni- ni- it's not like nihilistic... Uh, it sounds... Wait. It kind of sounds nihilistic. But re- I guess it is, but moral skepticism and the fact that there are no moral facts, I guess that is... Because that sounds like the definition of... Oh, maybe not subjectivist, but um, that sounds like a moral anti-realist. It, so how about, anti-realist, I, I guess, would be... Okay, that's, actually, that's probably what I would go for, like, personally. Um, okay, so you're going for the moral anti-realist? Yeah. Uh, Sean, uh, you want to get the mic? Sean, uh, say hi for the first time in Our Thoughts Tonight. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. It's a pleasure and privilege, privilege to be here. Excuse me. So excited. All right, Sean, what's your, uh, what's, what position are you taking for this little activity? I can't say I know it in entirety or thoroughly, but I'm going to take an existential view. That's exciting. I'm so excited for that. So in, in the uh, tradition of, of um, Satra and... Uh, and Camus. That's going to be a, I'm thinking about that. That's going to be almost like Murat's, but a little bit more positive than that's At least how I'm viewing it. All right. Uh, I'm going to go with a really quick, uh, what was, what did I pick? I'm going to go with egoist. I don't really believe in egoism too much, but basically I'm going to go, go through each dilemma, seeing what benefits me the most. Um, that's kind of like a deontological, deontological position, but it's, it's like, I have to look into it a little more, but whatever is trying to, whatever benefits me, that's what I'm going for. Zach, sure. Okay. So you're, so I'm going to give you a quick, easy position, right? right. Listen, so you're going to be the utilitarian, right? Inquire. Okay. Utilitarian, right? Is going to mean what is the best outcome? Like your, so what you're going to go through, right? Is what's the best outcome? So basically you're, yeah, what's the, what's the end game? What benefits uh, the most people? Wait, what was it? Utilitarian? Yeah, it's well, it, it's supposed to be the best possible outcome. Yeah. For the largest number of people. Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah. So it's a. Uh, it, it depends on the end activity, basically. Um. So that's going to be a, a teleological, uh, stance. Uh, and I think I think we're all ready to play. Um. Should we? Uh. How how are we doing the mics here, real quick? Uh, I will turn this one and. Okay. Zach, you want to get? Yes. This will be the public mic. Public mic. Like, here you can. I don't need that. You sure? Oh man. All right. All right. Cool. 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 All right. <laughs> okay. So uh, let's start with. Who should who should go first? Should we go Sean, Murat, Zach, the, the oldest, youngest, or youngest oldest? All right. Start with Sean first. Okay. So everyone everyone gets the same dilemma, but we're just gonna see how it goes. The first one is probably the, the classic one, the trolley problem, right? I'm sure some of us have some idea of it, right? The trolley problem. 
train is coming. Uh, you, it's heading towards five people, right? But you can divert the train to hit one person. So what do you do? As an existentialist, are you going for the five, the one person? Like what, what's, how do you uh, attack that problem? From what I know of existentialism, you act and do right regardless of consequences or actually hurts others as well. So it would seem that not knowing the individuals as individuals but merely victims victims without persona that the choice would be to choose the one the lesser of of two evils even though it does produce an evil by a death however i take the responsibility of that i take it upon myself as an existentialist that that's my choice the punishment is if there's any, it doesn't come from above. Existentialists don't believe in any morality coming from above or any deity from above. So if any punishment occurs, it is self-inflicted merely by guilt. But I have done what I thought was the best thing at that moment for the good. Good answer, actually. Yeah, it's all, Yeah, it's like... Again, it's a positive egoist in a certain sense. Old the youngest. I'm, ki- I'm kidding. It's up to you. And it's yeah, go even. for it. Okay, so utilitarian. Since I'm a utilitarian, I just I would just dive and grab all five people or throw them out of the way because that's the best possible outcome. Right? But wouldn't you? How about if you like sacrifice myself to to make five people oh, like live that. their lives longer? That's what a utilitarian would probably that's do. That's the that's the best possible outcome. But is I, it worth it to watch five people get run over, or you sacrifice you sacrifice yourself to save five other lives? What other person? Because so the, there's two, so the track is going to kill five people, but there's also an option to send it to another person, this single person. Oh, single person. So are you sure you're someone, There's both one. I don't know. I don't know, man. I thought there was only one track. <laughs> There's two tracks. Well, what does that other person look like? What they're about? Are, are they a criminal? Are yeah. they are they a nice person? No one knows. It's just in the moment. But so it depends. Like, it depends then, yeah. So well, if they were like a nice person, or if they were a bad person, you would let it. Like, I don't know. I feel like my intuition would tell me right off the bat if I saw if I was staring at two tracks with five people and one person, I could tell right off the bat if that person had any good intentions at all. Mm-hmm. If he didn't, then. I'd choose that track and save five people. But if it was a good person, I would have to sacrifice myself and save five people. And then six people essentially would be saved. Okay, that's my answer. That makes sense, yeah. That's the details from my perspective. Murat, here we go. All right. Can you repeat the question, please? So it's the trolley problem. It's going to be, so the train is coming. It's going to run over five people, but you can divert the train towards a... Uh, a track with one person on it. So what do you do? It's a classic trolley problem that you run across every now and then. Run across. Ah. <laughs> All right. So coming from the moral anti-realism sense, 
I guess we could look at this in the uh, in the sense that it's I don't know maybe moral fictionalism would be the correct one that I don't know I'm going to explain it in the way that I think um, you the way that I think anti-realism or even moral nihilism would be the fact that you're standing there and you see five people on one side and you see the single person on the other side. Uh, you would ask yourself, well, most people would ask themselves, who would I save in this situation, right? I would say, why am I in this situation in the first place? And why do I have to make this choice? And if I make this choice, is there any way of knowing that I made the right choice or the wrong one? Uh, And by having to make that choice, naturally you put yourself in a state of... uh, agony one way or another because you inevitably have to kill somebody so what does it matter anyway I mean that's kind of existentialist too but uh, in a more dark nihilist way I would actually actually take that position myself Uh, so it's almost like no action. Or your sense is almost like more contemplative than actual um, physical action, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, because you, I can't remember what it was. It was that I think it was that error theory that you mentioned. Uh, there's two uh, sides to that theory. I think uh, I could be totally wrong, but there's the one side. It might be a different theory. So uh, there's the one side that says if morals were uh, an absolute truth that should be uh, a part of our lives, that one side of uh, us would want to be motivated by morality. Usually, morals are keeping you from doing something. That's error theory. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other side of it is that, uh, what was it? Like the meta, was it metaphysical? I can't remember the other part of it. Meta ethics, maybe. Well, meta ethics, everything really, but it had something to do with. Uh, it was more of a relative idea to it, but I can't remember that. But I kind of believe that you know morality, like if you see a child and the child is stealing uh, something you tell the child hey it shouldn't be stealing that and coming from a behaviorist point of view i see that as uh, an instrument for uh, operant conditioning uh, that was laid down you know from the early early civilizations from the uh, what is that the code of the hammurabi to keep people to control because who, I think 
we're definitely conditioned over generation and generation to not want to murder people, to not want to steal because, well, I don't even know. I don't even know now if I want to say it is bad because we don't know it any other way. Realistically, it's kind of the same, same thing as um, uh, people that are very pro government. And then you have the people that are very pro uh, anarchy that, that combat the argument for government by saying, how would you know if it doesn't work? You've never tried it realistically. Um, same thing with a lack of morals. We don't know if it would be a better world. I'm going to ask a question uh, to go off that before I answer it with my thing. But um, So you're saying that there really isn't like if you're going from an overall perspective, there isn't, there is no way to actually know if something is morally correct or if there's any moral truth. But you're also saying that there might be a naturalistic reason that we may have morals. Do you think that naturalistic reason for having morals is, for our purposes, purposes objective truth? I think it is. It is a truth, but I don't think it's this uh, intuitive truth. I don't think it's a it's a mystic truth. I think it's something that is. A, it's a construction of humanity. Do you think that naturalistic truth is good enough? Basically, like, do you think it's like it's a good enough uh, like roadwork to build morality? So. Uh, are you talking about like were it not constructed by society? It's so it's constructed by society. Technically, that is natural too. Yeah, yeah, it, it is natural. It's just is that is that like our only like is that because it's in like our history, you know, an entire like lineage? Is that for us just what truth is nowadays? Or our moral truth? I think so. Okay. I think that like I think they go hand in hand. What what goes hand moral in moral and truth? Well, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, but now it's gonna sound uh, like relativism. One person's truth is is not another person's. Do you think there are absolute truths? I do. I do. Uh, I do think there are absolute truths that are very, that are backed by uh, empirical results. But when it comes to mystic ideas, uh, where it's it's almost like a what do you call it? It's a very when it becomes a religious question of absolute truth, almost not even just religious, but you know a, a spiritual a. a, a question of virtue or a question where you're, oh, you're bound by some ethic ethical code that uh, you're uh, subscribed to or whatever the question um, would be when it's when it has to do with something that's larger than you I think it becomes a little bit more relative but when it comes to like the arts when it comes to the law i think things that you can really lay down some empirical evidence for i think that there are absolute truths personally so with the whole trolley situation are you saying that like you don't want to play god and you're gonna let the cards fall as they may is that what you're saying 
Yeah, because I don't know. Yeah, maybe know. one of those people were supposed to die. Yeah, maybe. And and they have uh maybe one of those maybe the single guy on the uh other side of the railroad. If I decided to to Okay, so let's say I'm a deontologist uh deontological thinker now. Okay. And the single guy and I I it, it's I'm bound by some promise to save this guy. It's my it, it's my duty to save this guy. Yeah. Even though I want to save the five people, I made it's a promise to this guy. It's my mission. Yeah. What if I save him, and he gets off and he kills five, m- five more people? people. Yeah. yeah. Or vice versa. You know, you don't know. You don't know the outcome. Why is why is it the fate in your hands? Yeah. I guess. Why why am I being chosen to make this decision? That's like an ultimatum. Yeah. yeah. One thing I always say about that deontological uh, position is I feel like a person, a deontologist in that position would kind of like lose their minds because they would be concerned. They would not want to kill anybody and they would just lose their mind in a certain sense. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I, I, I would actually agree with that. That point. is more existential because I mean, I'm not necessarily angry towards the morals i guess yeah. uh i don't know it's more of a almost like a like a passive uh yeah i yeah. guess so a different situation might be different though this question is such a weird question it is that's why it's been asked so many times because it's difficult but a different question like a more real world question would be easier yeah, there is a i have a some uh, smaller good ones later on. I, I'm going to skip around later. We should uh, head into a tune and, and a poem. Can I answer the trolley problem? Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> I forgot you didn't answer. Yeah. Well, my mind is really quick. Again, I don't... I, I, actually, I actually probably agree with you. That's basically my position. But for the purposes of the game, I'm just going with egoist. And for this, it's, it's really more of a... It depends on the conditions of the entire problem. It's like, whatever benefits me. So if... <sighs> So if 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 switching the train track is gonna make it so that people like talk crap about me later on, egoist. Yeah, this is the egoist. Um, again, I'm not a, you know I'm expert on uh, Sterner Sterner or whatever, but if if saving the five people gets more gets me more recognition, then I will save the five people. If the if a single person is a famous person that's going to get me more recognition or money or whatever, then I'll kill right. the five people. It really just depends on what benefits me. So for this problem, it just depends on the external conditions. But just from what I know from it, I would probably I'd probably not even, not switch the lanes and try to like yeah, I'd probably not switch the lanes and not get any blame on me if I'm going from an egoist position. Again, I'm not, not but that's what I'm going for. What's going on? So either credibility or cash, one or the other. Basically, what I, are you looking bad? Yeah, whatever makes me look good, basically. Yeah. I got it. Hey. I, I want to make this clear. I'm not. I don't believe in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think Sean wants to read a poem. Is that what I'm seeing here? I'm good. Are we going to the song after after this, right? All right. So before we get into the song, uh, first time on Arthos tonight, we have. Professor Sean Lyons going with a with a poem. Are you ready? Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to read a poem called Campo dei Fiori by Cheslov Miwash. Lived from 1911 to 2004. 
a little background for this poem before I read it. Um, by his dates, 1911 and 2004, you can tell that as an infant, he lived through World War I, and as an adult, he lived through World War II. As an adult, as a Polish, as, as, as a Pole, he witnessed firsthand the first abuse, and I, I use that term loosely, of the Jews by the, by the Nazis. He was born a Catholic, but he grew up in Warsaw. And he saw when the Nazis conquered Poland in 1939, he saw the Jews herded into the ghetto, which they put 500,000 people in a space that could only hold 250,000. In 1943, the Jews in the ghetto had acquired enough arms that they thought they could rise in revolt and defeat the Germans. So on the eve of Passover in 1933 in April, they rose in revolt, which resulted in their defeat. They managed to kill 5,000 Germans, but the Germans in turn devastated the ghetto, resulting in many, many deaths and also many deportations of the death camps. This poem by Miwash alludes to that, that date. So Campo dei Fiore by Cheslov Miwash. In Rome on the Campo dei Fiore, baskets of olives and lemons, cobbles spattered with wine and the wreckage of flowers. Vendors cover the trestles with rose pink fish, armfuls of dark grapes heaped on peach downs. On the same square, Close pressed by the mob, before the flames had died, the taverns were full again. Baskets of olives and lemons again on the vendor's shoulders. I thought of the Campo de Fiore in Warsaw, by the sky carousel, one clear spring evening to the strains of a carnival tune. The bright melody drowned the salvos from the ghetto wall and couples were flying high in the cloudless sky. At times, the burning would drift dark kites along, and riders in the carousel caught pedals in midair. That same hot wind blew open the skirts of the girls, and the crowds were laughing on that beautiful Warsaw Sunday. Someone will read as moral that the people of Rome or Warsaw Haggle, laugh, make love as they pass by the martyrs' pyres. Someone else will read of the passing of things human, of the oblivion, born before the flames have died. But that day, I thought only of the loneliness of the dying, of how, when Giordano climbed to his burning, he could not find in any human tongue words for mankind. Mankind who lived on. Already they were back at their wine or peddled their white starfish, baskets of olives and lemons they had shouldered to the fair. And he already distanced as if centuries had passed while they paused just a moment for his flying 
in the fire. Those dying here, the lonely, forgotten by the world, our tongues becomes for them the language of an ancient planet. Until when all is legend and many years have passed, on a new Bode Fiori, rage will kindle at the poet's words.
comment about the poet right the uh the nobel well only that uh, that miwash did win the nobel prize in 1980 um and one thing about central central The existentialist view is is much like the uh, utilitarian view of Zach's, um, but it would it would take it one step further. In that, it would keep the worker on, 
because it's the right thing to do. And But it would not let the worker go. It would continue to help the worker irregardless of the consequences because it's the right thing to do. And the existentialist will put up with criticism from others who will not necessarily condemn, but at least criticize them for losing money to help a person in need. But the existentialist simply does what is right because it is right regardless of the consequences. That's right. <laughs> Thanks, Zach. I, like I, I think that's the wrong subject, dude. The wrong theory? The wrong theory, yeah. Well, I mean, you don't have to believe in the theory. I just gave you the one that was like quickest to explain. Off the cup, yeah. Oh yeah. All right. So I'm okay. I'm gonna. I'm excited about Murat's answer here because that's the that's what I that's my my moral position. So Murat, you're actually you're gonna be answering for me right now. You know that. (laughs) We're doing the uh, the cancer problem. Cancer problem. As the uh, as the moral nihilist, God is dead. I'd say the moral nihilist. I'd say okay. Well, since I'm supposed to believe in these things, you call morals and fate and uh what is it what is the expression uh if it's god's will then maybe it was supposed to get cancer but i don't know i don't know if that really means anything but i'm just trying to think like you <laughs> what would you do in this situation though i would if he was supposed to get cancer because it's God's will, like everyone around me that supposedly is morally superior is saying, I'd say fire him. Well, I mean, that that depends on clearly this person that is the, the nihilist is living around Christian scientists or what, what is it? Scientific right. Christian. Here's a twist. The guy that's telling you that has cancer saying it's God's will all the time and then he gets cancer. Yeah. Wouldn't your answer be if I didn't be, if will. I didn't believe if I didn't believe in uh in morals and the guy around me that is preaching constantly and I suddenly like had to make a decision but I don't know uh I'll just say what uh has been said around me a thousand times. Yeah. I don't even really know if I believe in it of what's going on of what you've heard. Yeah. I don't know. Is that is that an anti-realist? I mean, you're just kind of going with it's, it. Yeah, it's going it's going with the flow. I think. Yeah, I, yeah, I think that's that's a prime position. I mean, your position is really interesting. It really, it's almost like no position. It's no position, but it is a position because you're still there. Depending on the circumstance, it changes. Their mindset changes, and to a certain yeah, degree, the, just, it is cer- just very a, circumstantial. Just just like turning your knob on your amplifier, like just one more notch up or one more notch down. That's like what it is. It's it's a pretty grim position. I mean, I don't really believe that, obviously. Yeah. Well, the thing is, it's interesting because like because okay, um, Zach said it out. Okay, I don't know what I'm announcing that, but um, that stance is interesting because firing the person to benefit your income. 
isn't really a moral stance. Because remember, if we're going to take Earth again, error theory states that moral decision or moral ideas are based on what you shouldn't do, right? Mm-hmm. There's if you don't believe in morals, like objectively, there is no reason to keep that can- that guy with cancer. Firing the guy isn't really a moral, like it's not a moral stance. It's not a moral stance to say I want my money. That's just you want the money, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, mean, I buy it. It actually makes perfect sense, according to the theory. <laughs> Can we expand this into a greater whole and look at corporate, corporate world today? Cigarette companies, combustion engine companies, fracking companies. They are basically doing the same thing. They are not just firing that person. They are killing that person, um, which, which strikes me as a moral crime of, of, of unfathomable degree. And, and, and really, that, I think no more be said. Yeah, absolutely. And, you, and if, you th- if you talk about it, like uh, the uh, huge conglomerates and, and the corporations that do, uh, let's say ExxonMobil is a great example. ExxonMobil has a, an awful reputation and they know that. But they also do the most uh, fundraising and uh, philanthropic uh, uh, donations from ExxonMobil of all corporations because they know that they have caused messes in the past. And also, I don't remember if this is 100% true. Obviously, it can't be completely because the uh, product they crank out is naturally just not great for the atmosphere um, in oil or petrol. uh, But they also, their processes of uh, refining are the most, um, what is it, environmentally sound uh, so they really do everything they possibly can to uh, maybe not look bad or not do harm, but their product is naturally harmful. So that's a different spectrum. Yeah, yeah I'm sure there is a lot of guilt. Absolutely. Uh, and also they would probably get shut down had they not do, do that done that but then you look on the opposite spectrum at philip morris with um marlboro and camel and pretty much any cigarette uh they have they are not bound by ethics there are no ethics in that business they don't have a moral code at all do you want to know anything about the smoking corporation or anything like that watch the movie thank you for smoking that's it that's all i gotta say and and then they come out with the vapes Right, the the e-cigarettes, and we don't know for sure. Okay, so they 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 use the lack of science there is about vaping and e-cigarettes against them to put them out of business. They could be better for you. We don't know if they are or aren't, but it gets politicized, and they and they they throw they get them, uh, they make it so that they become bankrupt. 
because they're taking away from their uh, cash, essentially. Now jewels are difficult to find because of, you know, their uh, conquering behavior, I guess. If I can... Oh, sorry. Well, my my question is that, that even like Exxon, it seems like a lot of eyewash that their, their product still kills. It's ruining the planet, and it's only a matter of decades before our planet goes underwater or under fire. Um, and the basic morality of their stance for the bottom line, I think... No, personally, I will, I will use a very strong word. I think it stinks. Yeah, I was actually going to mention that, too. It's like whatever they do, they're still, if you're going off with morality, especially if you're damaging the planet, like, you know, even if, you know, as a person who doesn't believe in objective truth, but naturalistic truth, I mean, like, I mean, uh, naturalistic morality, that's like the biggest thing, like biggest quote unquote sin you can do. You know, that's like the na- most natural of naturalistic morality. Like no matter what you do, you're still causing harm to the whole entire planet. Or whole entire planet, no matter how much you're compensating for your guilt. That's yeah, a cover up. But I don't know. I mean, that that's a serious. That's a pretty. What are they supposed to do? Just stop? Well, if if they're <laughs> down, that's why. Well, if you, Just like you said, man. What are they supposed to stop manufacturing oil? If they're going no, no. If they keep. If they again, again, that's where morality gets, you know, hard. Is if they're going off like strict moral guidelines, they should stop. But okay, before I let you in, Sean, the thing I want to say is, we're going off. Okay, not to sound like a you know a red anarchist here, but I'm sorry, but like the mode of business and capitalism, again, there's not necessarily a value judgment on it, but by definition, does not play morals into it unless it's for profit, right? So, in if you're going off a pure business motive, there is no reason to stop doing that. But it's also a necessity, too. We need oil. But that's not what... A lot of things. I, I doubt, I doubt ExxonMobil... In my opinion, ExxonMobil or any other oil company, it's like their, their goal is, is profit, or NBP, yeah, especially yeah. BP. It's profit, but we need oil. We need oil for our cars. To sustain, but, you know, not all of us can afford a Tesla right now. Elon Musk is doing good things for the world and like everything's electronic, but the prices are too high for like common dude. Yeah. It's, it's just supply and demand because people they are demanding. They haven't put any money into finding alternatives yeah, to transfer over to the alternative. Yeah. yeah. I mean, but that's the, yeah. I'm hoping that in time they will <laughs> see the proverbial light and, and start investing more in battery powered. But we also have to consider, we mostly look at this from a human point of view. There's an awful lot of innocent animals in this planet um, who are dying at an incredible rate because because of companies throughout the world. Um, and that, to me, is, is unforgivable. Animals that just want to get through their day 
uh, and are dying in great numbers because of us, solely because of us. Actually, I, I love that you brought that up because uh, in my ethics class today, uh, we're doing this group project where each week they give us a situation like this, actually. And uh, uh, as a group, we decide the uh, what we think is best in the situation. And today we had a, a, a question or the situation that was given to us was there's this uh, environmental, uh, what was it? Let me pull it up real quick. I got it right here. Desktop. Sorry. Uh, I mean, we'll <laughs> anyway, so there are these people that are supposed to map out uh, p uh, pipelines for a uh, company like ExxonMobil, for instance. And the supervisor that is doing the mapping out uh, tells the analyst I'm sorry the analyst says how come you're leaving out these certain parts of the pipeline that are going through this uh, forest like area where uh, there's, there's a lot of uh, gregarious animals and caribou passing through uh, it'll be detrimental to their environment if we you know drive a pipeline through this and the supervisor says to the analyst just leave that part out of the map when you give it to uh to the client for confirmation so the question is what what is the analyst supposed to do in this situation i'm not gonna butt in too much but that's like low-key one of the other dilemmas do you lie in a certain situation for profit but yeah, yeah i mean yeah, it depends on what. What I really happens. liked about it. Yeah. Any good businessman would lie to profit. They would, but also in that profession, they're bound by a code of ethics. So by lying, they could detriment their future business. That's what the whole nature of the code of ethics. And in this case, not the story and not not the outcome we came up with. The outcome we came up with was that the analyst needs to go up to the uh, superiors and inform them. And what I liked about it most was that all of us, without even uh, really talking about what we thought was right, all came to the same conclusion. So there is this strange, you know, symbi uh, symbiotic thought process. Because if I, if I was going to say this, is like, Again, maybe maybe I don't buy into this, but because you guys are all answering from an individual perspective, a business by definition is a cooperative, a, a, agreed and you know it's supposed to be a cooperative based on just profit. Like because of that, their stance again in a business, like a pure like complete in that definition of business, morality does not have a role. You can add into it later on, but just by the definition of it, it's it only. You can only you can have it if it benefits your business just by definition. So, from an individual perspective, of course, you should you know admit what you just you know hey we're we're skipping over some land here. But in in the business perspective, where there might not be a top you know there is a CEO, but like you know you have to do again I don't agree with it, but you have to do what the business says apparently. 
I, I think at this point it might be worthwhile going back to what established this precedent that the human creature thinks it's better or its needs are more important than any other creature. Yeah. Right? If we go back to the if we go back to Genesis, if we go back to actually a, a lot of creation myths throughout the planet, we find that the human creature is, for instance, in the Bible is given stewardship. Now, stewardship is a is a that's that's the um, that's the um, the English the King James Bible term. Okay, stewardship. Um, what does that mean? It means taking care of those who are in need, yeah. right, and looking out for them. We have somehow twisted that simply because Adam is given the choice, or not the choice, but God gives him the dominance over animals to the point he can name them, yeah. right? And what does that establish as a precedent? Over time, we, we humans have looked at our needs as far more important than any animal's needs. Yeah. And I think that is criminal, especially when you look at the view of the Buddhists. Um, they, may not, they may not always practice it, but the basic conception that all life is sacred. Yeah. The quality all around. I, the thing is, um, I agree. The thing is, if if we're looking at what, if we're looking at this through an evolutionary perspective, I'm just wondering this is um. If if the if you know if, you know, speciatic existence is based on, you know, the strong overcome, right? Is our is our like notion of human superiority just a way of our of evolution in a certain sense? We've we think we're superior because maybe we just we can do it. We can suppose that we can get rid of animals. Again, on a moral stance, that's, that's insane. But if you're going off like evolutionist, an evolutionistic perspective, then it's like, like we do have that control in a certain sense. You're absolutely right. But there's, there's one conundrum here, and that is that if we get rid of all the animals, including animals that are absolutely necessary to us, like worms and bees, we are decreeing our own extermination at that point i think i, I was going to mention this earlier you know, including the whole, um you know climate change and everything is it's a point of just um how should i should say like chronological perspective right most of most companies or whatever they're looking at as, as, a, as a short-term perspective and if you're looking at it through a business perspective then they should honestly probably favor the latter as in the latter being a longer period of time, what are those consequences, including with animals and, and the climate and whatnot. But it's, it, it's weird in that sense, because in that sense, corporations are actually going against the business uh, perspective even then, because they're going over the short-term profit over the long-term, probably even better profit. So it's like corporations are not, not only terrible morally, but they're not even following the business. They're not even good value investors. Exactly, which is insane. Yeah, you know? well, you know... Okay, so uh, I think uh, one of you guys said something about, uh, you know, I think it was you, Sean. You said, you know, who are we to to claim this uh, earth? Uh, in my experience, in in these, uh, well, how old am I now? Twenty eight years in this earth. 
I've met people that seem to have no conscience conscience whatsoever, and then people that are very conscious and compassionate and uh, thought 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 out. Um, and most of the time, the people that make the decisions that are the worst seem to be lacking a certain type of intelligence. Uh, I think a lot... Or perspective, yeah. But I think to be missing, to be missing a part of a perspective is to be somewhat more moronic than the person or some a little bit less intelligent than the person that does see it. And yeah, what you said, uh, Zach, uh, Zach said that they don't understand the emotion. DSM-5, uh, I think there's this, I can't remember what personality disorder it is, but uh, ha- something along the lines of uh, emotional immaturity, one of the main signs of emotional immaturity empirically is the inability to understand other people's emotions or to show compassion because they were never exposed to that from an early age. So they lack the uh, ability to show compassion, which means they completely lack that part of being a human, which is a pretty integral part, if you ask me. A great example of that is Donald Trump. Uh, he thinks that by big, uh, big money and you know loud, and we're gonna we're gonna take this over, and uh, it's great, it's incredible, you know all that. That he's going to somehow that's how he's going to find love. And I honestly, I think that's how he grew up by trying to to gain his father's love. That's what Freud would say, but. We should uh, do another track. I'll cut myself off. Once here. again, I'm going to go, go my answer to the question because I still haven't oh done the question. Oh, my gosh. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just last. That's fine. I mean, mine's pretty – again, I have, like, the easiest one. I'm sorry, Zach. But, okay. Okay, fine. Well, the next, one, next one's going to be a little bit different. I'm going to draw – I'm going to do – we're going to do a – we're going to do a random. We're going to have our own thing. So, really quickly – oh, we're good. Okay, so really quickly with my, with my whole cancer problem is – as an egoist, I would just fire the person pretty easy for an egoist. They're making me lose money. I guess maybe I might take a perspective as in like what Zach did and like, hey, if they're going to survive, maybe I should just keep them. But also like, hey, the, the person with the cancer. Yeah, I know, but like who is that person? Oh, yeah, who's that person exactly? But who is that person to you? To, to me, how good of how good of a worker were they before they got cancer? But if they, you know, if if, if it, yeah. Okay, again, if yes to all those questions, then I would uh, then I would say keep the person, take a risk. But if they're just an average worker, they don't really mean much. I could probably just still get more money by firing the person, hiring another person, get that money. You, that's, that's for an ego is that's what's best for me really um again or we can do the whole caveat out of oh if, if for some reason me firing this person got publicized then, I, then it would be terrible for business you know yeah if i'm something if it's like a huge corporation then it might be maybe not in the best interest but um 
I think for a general answer, just fire the person, but there are a lot of other conditions that might change that answer. But just, yeah, on the surface, fire the guy. Um, so we're going to go really quickly into another poem by Sean, and then we're going to go uh, after. Before, it's going to be the, the the dragon song, right? Okay, before we get into that, uh, so we're going to play a song from one of, uh, my recent album, uh, Manifestation of the Ophidian. We're gonna, uh, it's called Presence of the Dragon, but before we get into that, Sean has another poem. Okay, folks. Another poem by Cheslov Miwash. This was written in Warsaw in 1944. Um, the previous poem was written in Warsaw in 1943, so it had direct connection to the uprising in the ghetto. But in Warsaw... The Soviets who were on the border would intervene. The Soviets did not. As a result, thousands of people in Warsaw died at the hands of the Nazis. Only after it was put down by the Nazis did the Russians move in and take over Warsaw. A song on the end of the world by Cheslov Miwash. On the day the world ends, a bee circles a clover. A fisherman mends a glimmering net. Happy porpoises jump in the sea. By the rainspout, young sparrows are playing, and the snake is gold-skinned as it should always be. On the day the world ends, women walk through the fields under their umbrellas. A drunkard grows sleepy at the edge of a lawn. Vegetable peddlers shout in the street, and a yellow-sailed boat comes nearer the island. The voice of a violin lasts in the air and leads into a starry night. And those who expected lightning and thunder are disappointed. And those who expected signs and archangels trumps Do not believe it is happening now. As long as the sun and the moon are above, as long as the bumblebee visits a rose, as long as rosy infants are born, no one believes it is happening now. Only a white-haired old man who would be a prophet, yet is not a prophet for he's much too busy, repeats while he binds his tomatoes, there will be no other end of the world. There will be no other end of the world.
Darth Vader. We are back. All right, we're back with uh, morality. Our thoughts tonight. Our thoughts tonight. My thoughts tonight. Uh, all right. We've got Zach Cross and Sean Lyons in the house this evening. Everybody Hi. Hello. All right. Okay. Uh, we're on the final stretch, and we are switching up the game a little bit. Everyone is going to throw out their theories out the window, and we're just going to go by our own beliefs, right? My own Your, moral code. Exactly. So right now we have four questions left on my little notepad here, and everyone's going to guess a number from 1 to 100. No, you're not. Can uh, I go first this time? Sure. So, Actually, you should go, you should go first okay, this fine. time. No, I, I'm going to take last because I know the numbers. Okay, all right. So, so we'll do, we'll do Mirage. Mirage. We'll, uh, let's see. So Mirage will go first. Uh, Zach goes and um, – Sean goes, and I'll say whatever lasts. We've got okay. about 30 minutes left. All right, so everybody keep their answers a little bit on the shorter side, not too much. Let's say about two, three oh, minutes, man. man. Two, three minutes per answer. I mean, I mean, I don't know, man. All right, fine. Whatever, whatever. whatever. Just go. It's whatever. It. Okay. I'll let you know when we're. I'll okay. let you know when when we're exiting. Okay. Okay. L- let me know when there's like 15 minutes left. Okay. Um. Okay. So everyone gets a number from one to 100, and whichever number you're close to, you get that question. So Murat, what number from one to 100 are you gonna pick? I'll give you my favorite number, 44. 44. P- uh, Pistol Pete Maravich. Okay. <laughs> okay, pis- Okay, you are getting... Yeah, and the Louisiana Jazz. Back before they were in Utah, like there's any jazz in Utah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Zach, that's pretty funny. Uh, watch it be like some fucking band from... You would think they would rebrand, but they never did, but... Yeah. Um, okay, Zach. Utahnese jazz too. Pick a number from one to one hundred. Seven. Seven. Gotcha. Okay, Sean, what is your number from one to one hundred? Sixty-six. Ooh, you actually. Ooh, shoot. Okay, you actually. You actually shot Murat out of his position. Oh. Okay, so you are actually taking this position now, and I'll. And so I'll we're take... going based off of numbers now. That's gonna determine who's first. Uh, we 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 can see who goes first, but. Okay, so I have everyone's question. Um, should we go for the same order, or? You know what? Let me go last, okay. and, and you go first. Okay, fine. Okay, so the question that got we'll to go me. The exact opposite order. Okay, Youngest sure. to. Uh, okay, that that works because it goes. I guess Sean will go last. Then. Does that make sense? Because I I go first, and with the numbers, you're next. You're next, and yours. Okay, so my question is, and everybody feel free to chime in. My my uh, question is. Is it worth lying to get a job? It's, I have the, probably the easiest one. Is it so? If again, this is my position. Um, what was the question? Is it worth lying on a resume to get a job? Right? If again, I'm not an egoist this time. So if I was an egoist, I would say hell yeah. But I'm no longer an egoist. I would personally say, why the hell would you lie? Um, to get a job? Yeah. I mean, if I was like in desperate need, maybe. But like, or if I, they find out, man. They. Yeah, I mean. I mean, personally, I would not lie. I mean, no, there's like no way I'm lying, dude, about that. That's like, they, they get you either way. So what would you be lying about? Uh, if I'm a felon or let's say like if I got like fired from a job, I don't write that as, or something or, or, yeah, or whatever. Um, you don't necessarily, you don't legally have to tell them if you were fired from somewhere. Yeah. Are you, are you not omitting things, but are you augmenting? Are you your ability. I, I'm not going to yeah. go out of my way. Yeah. Um, are you padding? 
Yeah. I mean, there's things yeah. you can admit, but there's mm-hmm. also things you can add. Uh, I, I feel that a lot of people add when they're in a job interview. Well, interviews are different, but in certain, in, in like, in terms of like basic information and like, no, I mean, for example, right now I, I left that chiropractic job, not on a bad note, but it, it can be interpreted a little bit. Cause like I did give them a note. So right now I'm thinking if I was ego's position, I would like not want to, I would want to explain it, but like, I don't know. It's, I don't know. I, I think for my position, even though I don't believe in objective morality, it, I don't want to do it because it's like the risk is getting, it depends on what I have done, but the risk is getting a little bit high and I would just rather just deal with the consequences of whatever I did that I would be lying about. For me, I'm not going to lie about it really. I mean, if I'm going to embellish a little bit, sure, if it's within reason, um, I'm not going Im- to I'm not going to admit to larger things. If it's something small, maybe um, it depends on what those situations are. But for the most part, don't lie. Keep the embellishments within reason. Try not to admit. But I think that's my answer to it. I'm not sure. I would not lie. Be true to yourself. Let them understand you. Help them invest yourself as much as you possibly can in whatever you're doing. Because it not only will it benefit or benefit you, but it'll benefit them, and you'll create a sense of loyalty. If you start off the bat on lying, not from my experience, but from other people's experiences, you will either get fired really fast, or no one will trust you, or no one will like you. If you're going to work with somebody, don't lie. Treat them as an equal. Don't talk down to them. Just be yourself, and don't try to be something that you're not. Definitely don't lie. That's the worst thing you could possibly do. Lying is also like a huge hassle. Once it like mm-hmm. once like the lying like you keep that lie forever. Like, that, that's gonna be with all the lies. Yeah, that's yeah exactly yeah yeah. Personally, for my dream job, I have to take a polygraph test, so I definitely oh, yeah. won't be lying. Is is that <laughs> you have to you you have to breathe a certain. Uh, certain I, I would have to like buy a polygraph. I mean, I don't really care. I I don't have to lie about it. What do I have to lie about? Yeah, nothing to lie about. Exactly. exactly. I don't have to be truthful. Nothing more fulfilling. Practice. We can go have some. I was I was thinking about <laughs> buying a polygraph machine, but anyway, I mean, it's most I've never been on one. I just want either. to buy one to be on one. To be honest with you, I like I got nothing to hide. I tell everything. Everything. They're not accurate anyway. Yeah, exactly. Oh, they're not. No. If you're shy, no. Let's say if you're shy during the polygraph, that technically means you're lying. Yeah. Well, the whole, accurate at all then. There is accurate. no, there is no physiological response to lying. Yeah. Based off of like all emotional, right? It's supposed to be, but there is no physiological response to telling the uh, or not telling the or, truth. Or really, the things that correspond with lying can be correspond with like a billion with other a things. A lot of other things. Yeah. Nervousness, exactly. for instance. Being on, being like enclosed in an area and you're nervous. Yeah. yeah. So did. Did anybody ever write a song like about lying? Like, I ain't, ain't gonna lie no more, or I ain't never lied. I'm it's like a country it's western a, song. Are we about to, boy? I bet you there's a Dylan song about it. I bet. Dylan song about it. Who? I ain't got no need to lie. Why? Everyone's <laughs> coming at me. Why? There you go. It fits. It fits the theme. 
All right, since we're kind of on a time constraint a little bit, I'm going to go ahead with the next question. I think Zach is next. <laughs> Zach, you're... No, I went with my question, dude. I know I told you. Okay, but that was my question. You give your opinion. That's all good. But you have your own question to deal with. Okay, so yours is a little bit longer, but it's all good. Okay, so... Well, the first answer this, would be, it depends on what... It's not that hard, okay? Jesus. So this is your own personal belief. What, it, you have to be duly utilitarian, right? One sec. We good? Well, well, the first answer would be, it depends on what you mean by Jesus. Jordan Peterson can, like, I don't know, go, like, sit down. <laughs> Jordan Peterson. Seriously. Okay, okay. So, Zach, this is actually, really, I think, there's a really interesting problem. I got it from Crash Course. <laughs> all right, all right. So, really, okay. So, there is a robber. Okay, so, so this is a little bit different. It's not, it's not what you do, but more of the situation. So, a robber breaks into a house. So, he breaks the window, right? Okay, you want to listen, bro? <laughs> okay. So, a robber breaks the window and gets in. So, so before this, actually. Oh, this is a classic question. Yeah, you think you know it, right? So there's a, there's a lady in the house, right? And he believes the lady is outside at church, right? So he goes in and breaks through the window. And when he enters the house, he sees the lady unconscious on the floor. He freaks out. He freaks out. He doesn't want to be framed for murder, so he actually goes away without robbing anything. But apparently the lady was unconscious because the, 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 the fire alarm the carbon thing, monoxide the carbon monoxide poisoned her and knocked her out. So him yeah. breaking the window let the gases out and she came back to life. So he saved her life. Yeah, but he doesn't he... know it. So so what do you so in your perspective did he do a right thing? Did he do a wrong thing? Like what is your perspective on that situation? Did he like exact... what a situation, right? It was both. He saved her life after knowing all the facts that you just told me. I would realize that yeah, he did save her life. But he also did a B and E and broke into my house. So I'm gonna go hunt him down. So did he do a right thing or a wrong thing in totality? Was it a right or wrong? He was. He didn't even consciously save her life. It was accidental from doing a crime. And he didn't steal anything because he was passed out on the floor. Yeah. And he didn't want to get blamed for her death. So, overall, he did a fucking wrong thing. And regardless of him saving her life accidentally, even though he didn't even know he did it because uh-huh. he fucking was so scared pissed his pants and ran out the door. If a window was still broken from him breaking into my house and leaving and yeah, a loved one is saved. Cool. But it was unconscious. It wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't planned. It wasn't like him doing CPR. It wasn't him. Yeah. It wasn't pur- purposeful oh, at all. Yeah. Or him calling 911, calling the cop, nothing. It's him trying to steal from my family and sees someone pass the fuck out and accidentally saves them. You know what I'd do if it was me? And it's happened to me. I've had people break into my house before and steal my dad's stuff and uh, br- throw a cable box through my dad's window and steal my things and pissed on the, the kitchen floor. And know what I did? I tracked that person down, man. From the back window that he broke out of, I, I took the the snow tracks that went from that window to his house. Cause he's an idiot and he's stupid and he lived right behind me. I jumped over the fence. I called the cops. The cops showed up at his house and then I called him as soon as the cops were at his door. And I said, Hey man, how's it going? He said, Oh, it's going good. And I was like, you're an idiot. And he's like, what do you mean? I was like, you broke into my house. You think you're going to get away with it? And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about, dude. I was like, dude, this is how it's going to go, man. You broke into my house. You pissed on my floor. You stole my Xbox. You stole my dad's things. That's not cool. You're getting arrested right now. The cops are knocking on your door. And as I'm on the phone with him, 
the people knock on the door and he starts crying and freaking out. He's like, I'm going to get away. He got tackled and taken away. As he was running? As he was running. This has happened to me before, man. So, like, I can relate with that. Yeah, I would hunt him down. Regardless if you save someone's life accidentally, it doesn't matter. What matters is what his intentions were from the get-go. That, that... I'm gonna change that is very, very deontological. That is the definition of it. That's that's some insight right there. But uh, so Zach, you knew this person? Yeah, I knew him. I took care of him for like ten years. And 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 that to me makes it particularly heinous. That why would somebody want to hurt somebody? Not only that they knew. But somebody on top of that helped them at one point. Because there's something um, wrong up in their head. Well, well, I, I, I'm not, I'm not sure what like works inside their, the cranium, like their, their gray matter. Yeah. But, but what bothers me is that so many people so readily hurt or steal from other people, irregardless of the golden rule. Yeah. Even people they know. I find that absolutely inconceivable that we would hurt other people so intentionally. We're doing good on time. Yeah, we're doing good. I think we got uh, 22 minutes or so. All right, we should get to the next question, I think. Or Okay, yeah. so we're at your, we're at your next. All right. um, honestly, Zion, that was probably the best question of this, so you get the lucky one. Um, let's do, uh, yeah, let's do my question and then Sean's and then... Maybe a little we've bit got, of discussion. We've, yeah, we've got another poem, right? Yeah, and then poem, and then uh, yeah, we've got the uh, Sabat. Yeah, the well, outro, you know. Okay. Sabat. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. This, that uh, one piece that's in Amadeus. I think it's Pergolesi. Amadeus, Amadeus. Yeah, the uh, Amadeus. great piece. That's been our outro since we started. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> let your let your poem flow into it. Um, okay, Murat, your question is this. Um, Let's say, uh, let's see, um, your wife is having a baby, but the baby has, oh, sorry, on? one sec. As it's all, it's all Hello, everybody. We're just having a little bit of a, we're having a little bit of a, okay, we're good. We're good. Zach, Zach was just walking. Yeah, he's just doing his job. <laughs> I mean, there is more glasses. He's not even on the clock. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Okay. Right. Your question is this. Let's say your wife, or you. Let's let's pretend you're a lady, or whatever. Take any situation you want. Let's say my my wife. Is okay, like let's say more your wife realistic. is having a baby, but you really the ba- embody the question. Sure. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So your wife is having a baby, but the baby <laughs> has. I, I kind of wrote a slash so you can take either perspective or tackle both variations of the question. The kid either has, you know, the kid has Down syndrome, or you can substitute any other heavy sort of physical or mental problem, like a heavy, like, you know, either Down syndrome or like really hard, um, some sort of mental illness to a point where that kid's life would be very hard. Do you abort the baby? And this is, this is, let's say this is before any sort of, um, well, you can have your own very variations to the question, but basically that. So is it like two weeks before it's born? See, that's what I'm thinking. You, you play around with that. You go tackle both perspectives. I, I would, I would say, before, before it feels pain, but after it feels pain, what do you do with that? When is the uh, the trimester? At what point in the trimester do I, they... I, I forget, but let's just pretend. Give let, me a let's, number. Let's. I don't know. I think I think it was like seven weeks. I don't know. Um, let's pretend it's. 
let's pretend it's a legal legal uh, week for abortion. Let's say before I'm not even sure if it's legal, but let's say before it feels pain. Yeah, okay. I don't. Yeah, I don't. Have well, it any. doesn't really matter. It, it can feel pain or not feel the pain. Uh, that's a whole. That's the abortion question. I'm mostly talking about. Do you let the kid like go through birth? I have no problem with aborting a child. Like zero problem. Oh, okay, but is but the thing is, it's not really a detriment to you. It's just that kid's life. That's fine. It's not a life. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, this is the most ridiculous question to me. Yeah. yeah well, that well, the abortion question is one. I'm going. I'm. I'm going to just first off. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say what George Carlin says. They want live babies so they can have dead soldiers. <laughs> well, the thing, I, I'm saying, saying this is not an abortion question. This is mostly about the down. Okay. okay yeah. Well, of course, if he, if the child has Down syndrome, even more so. Yeah, because that child is not going to live a life that is comfortable for itself or anyone around it. And especially if it's, I mean, okay, if you've got hours before the birth, maybe a week, two weeks, then you're pretty much dealing with a full-born fetus there. And that's... Trimester lasts between 12 to 14 weeks or about three months in total. Yeah, there's three of them. So, all right. Uh, I think, right? Uh, anyway, I don't know. I, I don't really have any problem with that at all. Uh, unless it's hours before a birth, then you're really, you really sat, you really held the bag, you know? <laughs> okay, let's, let's, let's make this question harder. Cause I, that expression. I, I think that's a pretty easy question. Let's make it harder then. Let's say the kid's already born or let's say a toddler age or very young age. Yeah. Do you give the kid up for adoption instead? If I was unfit to take care of the child and there was a family that was more suitable, absolutely. Because then, I mean, it's all for the benefit of the being. And by benefit, you know, pleasure, pain, you know, oh, what, are we supposed to be seeking pleasure in life or whatever that you can get into that whole, that whole argument. But I think truly that it's about, is that child going to live a comfortable life at all? And if it is alive, am I going to be able to give it the life that is going to give it the uh, best possible outcome. So kind of in a utilitarian sense. There's no certainty to that at all. Every day is a question. Yeah, but if, I, if I'm completely broke, for instance, I can't take care of a child yeah, yeah. with Down syndrome. I can't afford the financially, but I'm If talking- I'm financially or emotionally unfit to take care of a child with, with uh, Down syndrome, which is no small task whatsoever, nothing... Uh, I mean, no disrespect by me saying I'm okay with aborting a child. It's just, but nothing is certain. Regardless of that, nothing is certain. But I know one thing is certain in that moment in time is that I can't take care of that child. What if? What if? How about this? What if you were able to take care of the child, but it still was much harder than taking care of another? Then it's a burden on me. Yeah. So what would you do in that situation? Where you can do it, it's just a lot of burden than you know than supposedly necessary. See, that's that's Hard. a tough one, because honestly, I wouldn't want to do it. I wouldn't want to do it in one one side of me wouldn't want to do it, but the compassionate side of me would would 
would would absolutely take care of the child, of course. So, so which side would win, do you think, at the end? The compassionate side. It always wins. For me, like, I didn't want the dog we have. I absolutely didn't want the dog. And the last half hour, all I've been thinking about is, oh, my God, the dog's been home alone. So, I mean, I and if he left, I would have been kind of bummed out, and I would be bummed out for a while. But initially, going into it, I didn't want the dog, and the dog still annoys me. And I still, like, I'm like, we should have never got this damn dog. But now I can't live without the dog. Yeah. <laughs> it's just operant conditioning. Everything goes back to operant conditioning. You just get used to things. And it toys with your... Uh, your... Uh, Stimuli, uh, the way you, you're affected by it. It's a good answer. All right, Sean, this is your question. Let's see what you had. Is it worth Okay. This is um, a little bit, it's like my question, but the opposite in a certain way. So in this dilemma, you are a, you're kind of a seller. You're, you're selling something, right? Do you, actually, we literally, I think we talked about this question earlier or something along those lines. Uh, so it's pretty much repetition. Do you keep the weaknesses of that product a secret or do you admit it? Like, yeah, we kind of talked about this, but we brushed on it. We can get it more and clarify a little more. So you're selling a product. There is a clear weakness. Do you kind of admit, you kind of admit it? Do you downplay it, downplay it? Like, what do you do with that? Well, soon after I moved to Anchorage in the, in about 1986 from Boston, um, Somebody asked me, they thought I would make a good car salesman. All right? So I turned them down. I said, I'm not a car salesman. For the simple reason is that my parents fortunately raised me in a way, you know, I I really, I, I have a poker face in some ways but not in regards to cheating somebody that I refuse. I, I absolutely refuse to cheat anybody. And, and I, I, some people may disagree that know me, but on the whole, I like to think that, that I treat people honestly. Um, for instance, when my friends ask me to do, do things for them, I am so reluctant to say no, and I want to help them. And therefore, I won't I do my best. And, and probably sometimes I've failed, but I really do my best not to deceive anybody. So the idea of making money for the sake of deceiving somebody or withholding information that, um, um, I'm, I'm very reluctant to do that. Oh, yeah, it definitely gets my moral code. Um, if I've done it before, um, which I may have done inadvertently or, or circumstances just, you know, we tell little white lies, um, then I can only say I'm guilty. But on the whole, I've done my best. And that's the best we can all do, is to do our best not to cheat our fellow creatures on the whole. And that includes animals. 
you know, that like, like buying a pet. I mean, I don't own a dog as much as I, I love dogs. I love cats. I'm afraid if I get an animal, I would, I, I would leave them too much alone. I would not treat them the way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they That's need to be treated. Right, right. Yeah. An animal requires a certain amount of responsibility and dedication. And I'm happy that I've housed that. I've housed that so many dogs. And I love dogs. I've gone hiking with so many dogs. They require a certain amount of attention. And you, you, you can't deceive them. They know, right? You left me in the house. You left me in this house for 12 hours, right? right? So, so to answer your question in the short, I do my best not to deceive people. If I've done it, then I, I yeah, I raise my hand guilty. I want to make this a little bit harder, just okay. as, as a caveat. Okay. What if, um, so let's say your, your business is in dire need of money and you have multiple employees that you can't even take care of. Okay. We'll, we'll hit you both with this then. Then what do you do? If you're, if you basically, you lying would benefit, again, a little, maybe a little bit utilitarian, but would benefit more people in a sense. Well, as you know, as a previous owner of, of a restaurant, okay, I never deceived anybody. I paid all my bills. I went out of my way to buy I lost lots of money, but I paid my bills. Would you consider omitting something deceiving? Yes, of course. There are sins of omission and sins of commission. And both are equal, although the sins of commission are much more fun because that means you just had to drink too many, right? Whereas sins of omission... Ogden Nash wrote a great poem. I don't remember the name of the poem off the top of my head, but the difference between sins of omission and commission, it's an hilarious poem. All right. So if you have a, I, I wish I could remember the title off the top of my head, next but week. right <laughs> next week. Okay. Right. But that's my, that's my short answer is, is that as an owner of a restaurant, I, I, I went out of my way to make sure all my help was paid and made sure all my bills were paid. And consequentially I suffered greatly because of that. Um, but I, but I could go to vendors and I could say, listen, I will pay you. And it got to the point where the vendors would say, and, and I, I tell you what, I pat myself on the back for this, I, I, right, egotistically, and they would say, we trust you, you'll pay it. And to me, you no, know, when they said that, you don't know how good that felt to be trusted by other people who would say, we know you're going to do it. And that's, that's the best answer I can give you. Right. I like that. I'm gonna. That's interesting because in in the way you're saying that, I mean it's pretty obvious. But honesty is better than any sort of action in a certain sense. I I think that that we, when you said that uh, e, when you mentioned egotistically, I don't think that's I don't think that's egotis, egotistical at all. Uh, I think that it might be, but uh, it is. Uh, I think it's healthy to have. A little bit of pride in yourself, in that, in that, especially when it comes to something as virtue. Um, uh, when it to you know people that are 
what is it what is it uh conjuring up or like contriving some sense of uh false honesty and talk, you know mentioning that about themselves then to me that's egotistical but i i truly believe the same thing about you Sean that you mentioned that yeah you're you're uh, very reliable it's a honest observation about yourself mhm it is, yeah, I agree. Sean just, I don't know if you heard that, but Sean just said it's the conscious pursuit. We have seven minutes. Uh, we'll do poem. Closing, then, closing remarks, poem, song. Yeah. All right, does anyone have anything to, anything to say? Closing remarks? Love you all. Thanks for the good time. Zach says, love you all. Right. If you are listening, this was a, a new era of our thoughts tonight. And, and my last thoughts are I, I feel privileged to be in this company, this august company. Thank you for um, having me join you and, and even inviting me to read some poems. And for my thought, our thoughts tonight is kicking it, man. Great. Just kicking it. Just kick it. All right. Uh, to uh, send a farewell to everybody, we have another final poem by Sean before we get into our, to our outro here. Sean, what you reading now? This poem is by a different poet. It's a poem that died in 2012. So uh, like, like the previous poet, um, she also won a Nobel Prize, but she also, though she did not live through World War I, she lived through World War II. Um, and I think this may be an appropriate poem to end with. Because in times of trouble, we all need a place to retire to and escape. That does not mean we escape society entirely, but it means that we need a place to relax. And so it's called Relaxation by Vislava Simborska. Darwin. They say he read novels to relax, but only certain kinds. Nothing that ended unhappily. If anything like that turned up and raged, he flung the book into the fire. True or not, I'm ready to believe it. Scanning in his mind so many times and places, he'd had enough of dying species. The triumphs of the strong over the weak the endless struggles to survive, all doomed sooner or later. He'd earned the right to happy endings, at least in fiction, with its diminutions. Hence the indispensable silver lining, the lovers reunited, the families reconciled, the doubts dispelled, fidelity rewarded, fortunes regained, Treasures uncovered, stiff-necked neighbors mending their ways, good names restored, greed daunted, old maids married off to worthy parsons, troublemakers banished to other hemispheres, forgers of documents tossed down the stairs, seducers scurrying to the altar, orphans sheltered, widows comforted, pride humbled, Wounds healed over, prodigal sons summoned home, 
cups of sorrow thrown into the ocean, hankies drenched with tears of reconciliation, general merriment and celebration, and the dog Fido, gone astray in the first chapter, turns up barking gladly in the last. (laughs) 